Good evening, everybody. It is Tuesday night, and we are concluding Proverbs tonight. If you are watching this later on, after it's already been recorded, uh, just fast forward about five minutes, and, and you'll get to the start of class. Um, otherwise, we're going to wait for everybody else to show up. So thank you. Good evening. If anybody else is out there, uh, please sign in and let me know that you're here. Hi, Laura. How are you tonight? You're the first one to sign in tonight. I see somebody else. We got a couple others there. When you when you log in, uh, feel free to check in. Uh, I'm doing well. We had pastor's conference today. Um, so a good day, but, but a long day. But it's good to see... A lot, of, a lot of guys I haven't seen in a long time. That's always nice. Who else do we have out there tonight? Anything new with you, Laura? For those that are logged on, uh, just sit tight here as we wait. We'll give it another four minutes or so as we let people find us and get ready for discussion. I see a few more logging in, so we're just going to be patient here for a couple minutes. Feel free to let us know who's out there. You can see I've got my new Pilgrim gear today. Uh, if you ordered Pilgrim wear, it should be showing up this week. Um, hopefully you'll get an email. And if not, I think before too long, we'll have another round of, of it. And you'll have a chance to, to get something if you want to. Otherwise, we're going to be in Proverbs tonight, finishing up the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 26 will be where we're starting tonight. So if you can get yourself ready to go, I'll give it a couple more minutes. So far, just uh, me and Laura on the chat. Feel free to check in and let us know who's here. Hey, Joel, good evening. Welcome. I just sent you an email um, regarding our, our call. Um, hope you're doing well. Who else is out there tonight? Bedalovs are here. Marlene and Joe are here. Good evening and welcome to you guys. Hope you're doing well. Yes, he is, Joel, that's for sure. Glenn and the Three J's. That sounds like a band name, doesn't it? Glenn and the Three J's, I like it. Uh, good evening to all four of you. Glad you're with us tonight. We will be in Proverbs 26 here, just starting in a couple of minutes. So uh, get yourselves ready, and we'll we'll get going here shortly. Glad to hear that, Marlene. Glad to hear that. Hi, Pam. Good evening. Good evening to you, Marge, as well. Glad you're here. Finishing up Proverbs tonight, finally, or or maybe it's too soon. I don't know uh, what you guys are thinking. I, I noticed here, too, we got a big chunk tonight. Uh, we bit off six chapters for tonight, so might move a little quickly through some of it. But good evening, Phil. Uh, yeah, I think I know where I'd like to take it, um, but I think we'll, we'll leave you in suspense till the end of class. How's that? Um, I, I will let you know tonight um, and give you a chance to to disagree, but I think I know where, where I'd like to go anyway. All right, uh, let's give it another minute and a half or so um, before we start. So Proverbs 26 is where we'll be. Another Another little bit here just to make sure we're not quite to our usual number. Um, so I'd like to make sure we give everybody a shot to be here. 
Everybody looking forward to, I heard 70 degrees this weekend. That'll be nice. I'll be at a cross country meet on Saturday. 70 is a whole lot better than 30 for cross country. All right, one more minute and we'll start. Nice. Thank you, Laura. All right, we're, we're holding. Hey, there's Joanne. There she is. Good evening. Welcome. I was just about to start. Why don't we uh, open with prayer and then we'll get into Proverbs here. All right. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, what a blessing it's been to study Proverbs and to learn more about true wisdom that comes from you. One more time tonight, we ask your blessing. Uh, increase our faith, help us to grow, uh, help us to find more ways and better ways to serve you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Proverbs 26. Uh, so kind of picking it up. Um, just another section here, more Proverbs from Solomon. Again, kind of doesn't always seem to be rhyme or reason or, or, or things aren't necessarily divided by very clearly. He just kind of jumps from one thought to the next. And um, we'll just take take some of them as we go. Feel free to answer questions or make observations. Um, chapter 26, first question points you to verses 4 and 5. Uh, they seem to be contradictory. Um, as you looked at four and five, could you reconcile those two verses? Four says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. Next one says, answer a fool according to his folly. Okay. <laughs> what does he mean, right? What, which one is, how do you, how do you make sense of that one? So how do you reconcile those two verses there? What's Solomon's point as you're dealing with those who would be a fool? So Joel says, you know what, maybe maybe there isn't a good uh, effective response. Yeah, I, th I think you're on the right track there. I think finally, um, yeah, these are just kind of, that's a good way to say that, Joel. Yeah, just kind of good good practices or principles for us, not, not necessarily rules to follow. Um, but I do think the point here is um, th there might not be a really great answer here. I think he's saying think first. Um, speak directly to the folly, right? And uh, but maybe don't don't get sucked into it yourself. Jane says couldn't reconcile. Yeah, I think it's tricky. Um, I, I think we would say don't sink to the level of the fool, right? Don't get um, sucked into what it is or whatever he's caught up in. Um, speak clearly, speak directly, but but don't sink to his level. Uh, think it through. Those are the thoughts I had. Uh, does anybody else want to want to jump in on that one? Anybody else have a, a thought to add? I, so much of what Solomon tells us to me is, is a lot of it is just um, think through what you're going to do. Think through what you're going to say. Um, don't react too quickly, right? Don't react emotionally. Um, at Marlene, that, that is a possible answer, right? And I think... Um, that's part of the wisdom, right? We have to know when that is the case, right? Lord, we have to know when to hold our tongue uh, and we have to know when to respond in an appropriate way. And I think in one case, you might do one thing and in one case, you might do something different, right? It's being wise. It's, it's knowing um, the right time to speak and the right time to not. And, and I think Joel says here, part of it waiting to find the right time and way. Uh, yeah, I think that's what he's saying, right? Think it through first. Um, Ron and Joan, good evening. Yeah, and that that's maybe one of the consequences. Um, we don't necessarily want to uh, confirm him in his folly, right? We don't want him to think that he's on the right track either. All right, probably good enough there. Um a lot of interesting uh, illustrations he uses in this chapter, I thought, um, just striking pictures. Um, we're going to jump you all the way down to verse 17, though. 
And for question two, don't stick your nose in where it doesn't belong is the advice of verse 17. Uh, what will happen if you do? What will happen if you do? In those days, uh, dogs weren't pets, right? So it was best to just leave them alone. Um, <clears throat> what's going to happen here if you stick your nose in where it doesn't belong? So he says, someone who rushes into a quarrel that isn't their own, right? So you just kind of insert yourself into the situation. What, what is bound to happen if that's you? Laura says it could make it worse. Um, yeah, and and you're probably worse for who, right? It's probably going to be worse for you. What happens, do you suppose, if you grab a stray dog by the ears? You're going to get bit, right? Phil says, play with the big dogs. You're bound to get bit. Yeah, um, there you go. Might come back to bite you, Marge says. Yep. Um, yeah, you're right, Jane. Um that's maybe a little different story, right? Um, they're also trained to do that. Um, so that would be a little bit different there. Um, in general, though, a good principle in life is to, to not butt in, right? Not to, to insert ourselves into those kinds of things. I'm thankful we have those people uh, that Jane mentions there that, that can do that for us because um, sometimes things can get really really out of hand. Um, and if you just stick with that, so look at, so you got 17. And in 18 and 19, um, maybe just real quickly, uh, interesting pictures there, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death. Um, that, that, there's some imagery there. Um, is the one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. I, I just think, be sensitive to others, right? Be careful. Um, if you're teasing or joking, pick the right spots, you know, don't, don't push it too far, right? Be sensitive to, to the feelings of others. Um, it's easy at the end to say I was joking after you've hurt their feelings. Now, if it wasn't obvious that you're teasing, maybe it was, it was too far, right? All right. Last one of the chapter looks at verse 23 and it asks you to explain the meaning of verse 23. Explain the meaning. Phil's got the verse there like a coating of silver on the earth where our fervent lips with an evil heart. So what does he mean there? Melissa says, I was teased a lot as a kid and people were always like, it's just a joke, lighten up. But it was often hurtful and it felt dismissive when they claimed they were just joking. Yeah, absolutely, Melissa. I think that that becomes a cop-out. Um, there can be times when we innocently, innocently, we didn't intend anything. It, it, it is a joke. It didn't land. The other person didn't take it well. But I think a lot of the times, um, maybe people are trying to be hurtful and then they just say, oh, I was joking as a way to get out of any responsibility for the hurt they caused. So I think that applies there, right? And we just need to, um, need to watch out for that, right? Be more sensitive to others. All right, anybody have an explanation for verse 23? What, what is Solomon getting at um, with verse 23? And, and 24 maybe helps you out too. 24 kind of builds, builds on it. Um, Jane says, friendly outside actions might be concealing evil intentions. That is, that is spot on. Um, Common pottery could be made to look really nice with just a coating of paint, right? And um, Marge says, pretty words can hide a, a wicked heart. That, boy, that's a good way to say that too, both of you there. Um, yeah, Joanne, motivations can be covered by smile or, uh, or nice words. And um, so you can dress it up on the outside, but that doesn't mean there aren't evil intentions behind it. Um, Another good illustration there from, from the Myers. It, uh, so um, an evil person with, can cover their intentions with the right words or making things look nice. And um, the more you know people, of course, the tougher that becomes. But 
just be aware, right? A lot of people in the world are going to do that to get ahead. And, and sometimes we, we are affected by that. All right. Uh, moving to 27. Unless you have a thought or a question on anything else from chapter 26. Jane, that is a good uh, a good observation. She says so many crimes happen that way, especially the scams right now going with the phones, um, targeting maybe the elderly, right? They, um, that's an example of that. I think a lot of a lot of other things people get into um, some of the some of the schemes out there to to get your money. Um, yeah, a lot of crimes happen that way. And Melissa, that's a good thing too. Yeah, you know, I man, I'm sure all you guys are ready for the election, so those commercials stop. But people promise all kinds of things to get in power, and yeah, they don't always have good intentions. They're not always going to carry through. That's a good example too. Um, yeah, so thanks for those comments, everybody. Um, let's let's hit chapter 27. Uh, first question: Why can the wounds of a friend? be trusted? And why can't the kisses of an enemy be trusted? Why can the wounds of a friend be trusted? And why can the kisses of the enemy not be trusted? I think this, this is a very important thing to learn, but I, but I think it can be a tough thing to learn too. Uh, so Laura says this goes back to the heart. Um, what do you mean by that, Laura? I think I think I know where you're going with that. Um, but can you flesh that out for us? She says it goes back to the heart. Um, anybody else have a thought there? Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So I'll give it another little bit here. Anybody have a thought on, on first question here from Proverbs 27? Ah, so Phil makes the connection here to, to Judas betraying Jesus in the garden. Um, yeah, kind of nice to greet Jesus that way, but he, he clearly had evil intent behind it, right? And I think maybe that... Um, Speaks to Laura's point too. There, the heart was not uh, in the right spot with that action. I think finally too. Why would a friend? Why would a friend? That's an interesting translation, Joel. Thank you for sharing that. Kisses of someone who hates you are too much. So Jane says, back to motives. One is sincere for your good. Uh, the friend. Laura says, a friend's wounds will heal and. And their heart will want the help where an enemy has evil desires. Yeah. So why is the friend wounding you, right? A friend is going to tell you what you need to hear. Um, the friend loves you enough to say the hard thing and not just to flatter you, not just to uh, butter you up for something else. Um, Ron and Joan are on that same tack there. Um, and finally, you want a friend like that. Right. Um, and maybe you can think of some times in your life where either you as the friend or your friend to you had to really kind of give you the hard truth. Um, thank God for that. And if you're in the position to be that. You need to do it. It's hard to do, but man, you need to do it. And, and the friend will be thankful for it. Um but yeah, the the kisses of the enemy, they're just to soften you up, to take you off guard, to, to deceive you, as you said. Um, Pam, yep, your friend has your best interests in heart. Your friend, um, well, like a parent, right? Sometimes the parent has to give some tough love, right? Um, again, because they have your best interests at heart. Good. Very good. Uh, again, looking at verse 17. Suppose you invite a fellow church member to attend Bible class with you, and the person replies, I read my Bible at home. How might verse 17 help you convince that person to come along with you? Uh, 
I like verse 17. It, it's, it's an often quoted verse. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I think that directly applies to group Bible study. And frankly, as we're calling an associate pastor, I think it applies to that too. Um, there's a benefit for your pastors if there's two. But how does verse 17 help you out, convince you to bring that person along or convince that person to come with you? So Laura talks about fellowship, how important that is. And um, Joel, that's, an, that's a case where I really like the way they said that. A man sharpens the inside of his friend. So we learn from each other, right? It's Phil talks again about the fellowship. It's encouraging. It's challenging. Uh, we learn from each other. Jane says it strengthens and comforts. <clears throat> there are so many times in Bible class where I've witnessed somebody tell a story that really touched somebody else. And they didn't know they had the same scenario in common. And they really bond over that. Um, I've seen people so often, somebody will ask a question and somebody else in the room, their eyes will light up and think, oh, I never thought of that. It just, we learn from each other. We grow together. We're encouraged by each other. Joel says, I'll learn more if my friend comes too. Um, yeah, well said there by the Myers. Um, Pam, too, I, I think um, we learn from each other. And, um, yeah, that's a good point, too, Marlene, right? Other times people ask questions you don't think of. I I teach answers. I've got two answers classes going on right now. Try to try to have one always going on. Over the years, I've taught a lot of one-on-ones, a lot of small groups. And they're all good, but in the small group setting, um, you get a lot more questions. And that leads into other questions that other people ask. And we just, we learn from each other. Um, so, so Bible study, it's good to read your Bible on your own. And, and please do that. I hope you're doing that. There is a place and a value in group study. And that's what verse 17 is talking about. My spiritual growth can all be by myself. Um, it can, but I think Solomon is saying it shouldn't be, right? We should be able to, to learn and to grow from each other. Number three, what does it mean that man is tested by the praise he receives? Verse 21, a man is tested by the praise he receives. Oh, boy. This is an important one, too. Um, what's what's he going for here? What is Solomon getting at when he says a man is tested by the praise he receives? It, Melissa, good thought, right? So building on the iron versus iron here. Um, yeah, it, it is a give and take. It takes two. Um, that only works if if both parties are, are willing to participate, right? And to speak and to listen. Absolutely. That's crucial. Uh, so Jane says, is the praise truly deserved? Um, Phil talks about refining impurities. Uh, what do you mean by that, Phil? What do you mean by that? I So think about the praise. So when you are praised, when people tell you, a great job and tell you that they really appreciate something you did. How are you tested by that? What is the test? I, I think that, well, I, I want to give you a second before I just jump in on it again. Um, so when you talk about the furnace for gold, the gold, that's how they refined the impurities as Phil talks about there, right? So it takes out the negative qualities. Um, there you go, Melissa. The test is if you can remain humble, right? Um, if you are receiving praise, will you remain humble? Um, adversity builds our humility. Praise really doesn't, right? And so the test is when you're praised, 
Will you remain humble? Um, Marlene says, don't take it too seriously. Um, so Phil's talking about that refining process again, right? That's that's how we grow, right? When God turns the heat up on us, praise sometimes can lead us to, to pride. Um, and yeah, how do we react to the praise, right? How do we react to it? Um, it we all like it and it's not, God wants us to praise and encourage others. Um, but as God's people, the test there is, of course, to remain humble and not let it uh, go to our head, as the Myers say, not not to become arrogant. Um, good. All right. Anybody else? Chapter 27. Next chapter. And these are just running together. There's no obvious change of subject or heading here. Um, Joel says, a prof once told him to take the highest criticism and the highest praise with grains of salt. Yeah, it's usually somewhere in the middle, right? Um, don't get too low with with the low and too high with the high. Um, yeah, that's a good, I like that. Joel, that's a good way to say that. All right, Phil's got us going into 28 here. Uh, you may have heard of people who turn themselves in years later after stealing something or killing someone. Since they seem to have gotten away with it, why did they turn themselves in? Uh, how do verses 1, 3, and 17 help explain this? Phil's got those verses listed there. So you, you hear about that. People turn themselves in years later. Since they seem to have gotten away with it, why do they turn themselves in? Why do they turn themselves in? And so get my verses up here. Melissa says, like the telltale heart. Aha. Yes. And that is, um, oh, what's the guy's name? Um, ow, Melissa, that's bugging me now. That's, uh, what's the author's name there? Uh, there he is. Yeah, Poe. So the, the guilt, it it does. It eats at you, right? It The conscience gets to them, Laura says. It's really hard um, living with a guilty conscience. It's really hard living in fear that somehow, some way, that the shoe is going to drop. Someone's going to finally figure it out or catch you, right? It, it's really hard living that way. Um, and so what are they looking for then? Um they're looking for peace, right? They're looking to have that burden removed. Uh, yeah, Marge says their guilty conscience is, is tormenting them. And it'll maybe maybe for you and I, it's not as drastic as turning ourselves into the authorities. Maybe it's something we said to somebody, right, bugs us, and we finally just have to go to them and say, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, there are things we just, Sometimes it's, hey, pastor, can we talk? We just need to unburden ourselves, right? And um, if we don't do that, it's going to eat away at us. And and, and confession um, is not a bad thing, right? It's We aren't commanded to confess to a person. We are commanded to confess to God. Confessing to people can be helpful, right? To pastors or Christian friends. Um, but the purpose of that too, and how that plays out is a little bit different in, in our two faiths, faiths um, as Phil talks about there with the Catholic faith. So there's a little bit different thought going on when it comes to confession. There is a benefit to it, right? Um, sometimes we just need to hear those words, I forgive you, or Jesus forgives you. Um, there is definite value there. All right. Uh, it, number two, it's bad enough to sin. What is even worse uh, if you look at verse 10? Yeah, I mean, there's some of that there, Phil, right? The uh, mentorship and accountability comes along. Um, we are accountable to each other, um, especially to God, though, especially to God. All right, number three. No, number two, it's bad enough to sin. What is even worse according to verse 10? What is even worse? And Matthew actually, man, I heard this one at Pastor's Conference today, this verse. Um, Jesus 
he he rarely speaks as harshly as he does there in Matthew 18. Um, Marge and Joel said, yeah, causing someone else to sin is even worse, right? If we're going to drag somebody else into it, that's even worse. Um, and, and Jesus talks about an awful punishment with the millstone. Um, so, so watch yourself, right? Let's, and maybe, you know, who are the people that we would be leading into sin? It's likely the people in our lives, right? The people that know us. It's likely family and friends um, that we're going to drag along with us. And uh, boy, we don't want we don't want those people to fall into it, right? So let's let's be careful there. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of sin, so you look at verse really. Um, the end of the chapter really talks about sins related to wealth. Um, and if you look at verse 25, can you name a special time when the sin referred to in verse 25 creates dissension among family members? And then we'll talk about how can a, a blameless person, how can a believer deal with that kind of dissension? So what time in life, what special time does the sin in verse 25 especially pop up among family members? So Melissa's got the answer. Um, when someone dies, leaves an inheritance, and there's fighting, right? And I, as a pastor, um, I have seen this more more than you would think. Um, and and now, not often, you know, sometimes the family, not always believers, not always sharing the faith. Um, so so what do we do, right? How do you and I, how, how do we as God's people deal with that dissension? How do we as God's people deal with that? Let, let's hear some suggestions there. Um, and if you haven't gone through this yet, um, this might be some helpful discussion just to prepare for this. So maybe we can avoid it, right? What are some things we can do to to avoid it or to deal with it if it happens? Any thoughts? Any thoughts? So I'll give you a minute or so. On that one. So Melissa says, keep perspective on our priorities and values. Marge says to let it go. It's not worth the arguing. So we want to fight, right? Um, and our life is not about things. Um, so Phil says, make it right. Relationships. Um, are the glue. It's not the money. I mean, to the extent that we can, right? I think we want to try our best to make it right. Um, Laura says we're dealing with a family member that had no ill will. No will are dealing with. Oh, oh, okay. So, so she's going through this. So there's no will there. Um, so Joel says, put a Christian preamble in your will um, that reminds your loved ones of what's most important. I would, I would second that. Um, so Joanne is, talks about being proactive, talking to her sons so they know ahead of time. Um, Myers talk about writing a comprehensive will, talking to your family, Marlene, same thing. Um, so, so yes, I think on the front end to be proactive, um, have a will in place, have conversations with your family, um, let them know clearly Who's responsible for what? If you have multiple kids, um, who's who's the power of attorney, right? Just talk about all that stuff. Have a plan. Um, now, Jane says, don't argue. It's only things. So so to, how can we help Laura, though? So all, I think all of us are giving great suggestions for preventative measures. Laura says they're dealing with it now, and there is no will. So what do you do in that case? And I think some of our thoughts here are helpful. Jane says, don't argue. 
Um, we don't want to make this a contest, a competition. Um, you know, earlier on it said um, keeping perspective uh, and, and letting things go. Finally, we don't want to make it a fight. Um, I, I would say, I, I mean, I don't know the situation. Um, try to be as fair and as equitable as you can. Um, that's not always possible, but to, to the degree that's possible, you know, try to be fair and equitable. Um, you know, maybe it doesn't hurt to get legal advice either, depending on the size of the estate we're talking about. Um, and Joel, so there you go. If items that have no owner end up being distributed according to probate and, um, if it gets to that, you know, it's kind of out of your hands, which can be good, right? Then the family's not making the decision, but then the problem there is you, nobody might like what the decision is. Um, if you want to, Laura, and you want to reach out, I can refer, um, I can refer to somebody that might be able to give some advice there, somebody that deals with uh, estate issues. Um, so if you think of it and you want to send me an email, I, I can refer refer you. All right. Marlene says, let everybody speak and listen. Yeah, Joanne, you're right. Have those conversations before then, right? Because when the day comes and you haven't explained it, it's probably too late. Um, Melissa, that's a good thought there too. Um, money doesn't determine your worth. Yeah. So Jane says, with Glenn's family, it was oldest got first pick. Um, I... Whatever the system is, just make sure the family is on board ahead of time if you can. Um, and if you get to it and, and nothing's been done, I, I think more often than not, um, there maybe isn't a will in place. And then, then it's out of your hands sometimes. But um, again, Laura, I can refer somebody if you, if, you need the, if you need that. Let me know. All right, hopefully helpful. Just encouragement to have these conversations. I know that they're not fun conversations. Um, but have stuff in place. Um, and even if there's not a lot to be given in the will, it just, just having something down takes a lot of this, uh, a lot of this stress out of the equation. All right, let's jump to verse 20 or chapter 29. Chapter 29. And I think I've only got, well, there's three questions there. First one, what implications does verse 15 make for our society? And boy, we could probably talk on this a lot, but I don't know that we will. Um, what implications does verse 15 make? Verse 15 says, The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. What's the implications there for society? Uh, so Jane's asking me 23 verse, chapter 28, verse 23. Uh, he who rebukes a man will in the end gain more favor than he who has a flattering tongue. So that's similar to the point before when we talk about wounds from a friend and kisses from the enemy. Um, if I'm going to rebuke a man and correct him and get him on the right path, he's going to appreciate that much more than if I'm just telling him what I want, what he wants to hear. Right. So if we're going to be, have some integrity and, and, and rebuke and correct people, they're going to see that they're going to appreciate that. They're going to, um, they're going to give us their favor. Right. But if we're just flattering and telling them what they want to hear, that, that doesn't show any love or concern and, and that's not going to get you anywhere. Okay. Linda, yes, you are on. Good evening and welcome. Glad you found us. We're just starting chapter 29. Glad you're here. Um, so verse 15 of 29, what implications does that make for our society? Yeah, it, so the Myers um, have it there. There's a blessing to discipline and structure and accountability. Um it's good for society too. So when there is loving discipline in the home, 
that benefits society. Um, when the kids are running the show, that doesn't benefit society so much. And our world is kind of moving away from that. There's turning it things around completely. No discipline means things are only going to get worse, right? That doesn't mean we're, we're condoning authoritarian discipline. But good, loving discipline is a blessing for society. Yeah, I mean, it's really hands-off now, isn't it, Phil? Whether it's at schools or, or government places, you really can't, you really aren't supposed to say anything to anybody, right? And um, even in certain settings, parents can get in trouble for, for correcting their kids. It, it's really turned around completely. Um, not biblical, but it, it has turned around. All right, number two, preaching and teaching God's word are vital. What happens when that is ignored? What happens when God's word is no longer preached and taught or is completely ignored? By the grace of God, we haven't seen that yet in our country. At least on a whole. We haven't seen that nationwide, right? There are certainly in places that is the case. Uh, the devil can move in. Sure. Yep. That gives him free reign. Um, really, there's, so if you look at verse 18, um, there's no restraint, right? There it goes. Marge says crime can run wild, right? There's no limits. People don't live uh, with any kind of fear, right? There's no fear of the Lord, no restraint. People are doing whatever it is that they want to do, Um Jane, and that does, doesn't that just describe today? She says, anything goes, sin is tolerated, accepted. Um, lots of lawlessness, Joel says. Yeah, the more people move away from the word, um, the more that uh, wickedness and these kinds of things are going to run wild and there's no control. And yeah, Joanne, right, when there's no absolutes, that means everybody gets to be their own little God, right? Everybody gets to be their own little king. Everybody gets to decide what is good for them. Um, we've seen it, right? We're seeing it play out. Um, not everywhere. I mean, there, there is evidence that the church is still kicking, right? There are still people coming to faith and um, moving away from these things. Number three, what are some of the many sins that a hot-tempered man may commit. Verse 22 says, a hot-tempered man commits many sins. Can you think of some? This will just, just throw them out there. What are some sins that a hot-tempered man can commit? Ron and Jones say that he he can hurt others phys physically and emotionally. Uh, Melissa's got murder. Yeah. Um, So some physical harm there. Road rage, Marge. Yeah, good one. Uh, Linda says throwing something. Yes. Yep. Throwing something and damaging something or hurting someone. Two votes for road rage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. that uh, That's becoming pretty common, right? Joel's got hurtful words. Yep. Uh, cursing, yelling, screaming. Um, I think you guys got... All of them here. Uh, oh, good one. Taking the name of the Lord in vain. Violence on others. Running others down. Domestic violence. Um, yes. And all of these sins are hurting others, aren't they? All of these sins are, are hurting other people. Um, there's a reason why people say count to ten, right? Because even the most common individual, if they... If they're fired up and their temper kicks in, they're not going to make good decisions. Um, so counting to 10, um, that shouldn't be dismissed, right? There is benefit there in calming down before we say or do things. That's a good one there, too. A couple of there I didn't think about. The silent treatment, inciting others to go along, the property damage, all good all good examples. 
So let's control the temper, right? And and even if we're not a, we might say we're not a somebody who struggles with temper. But I'm going to guess, excuse me, that each of us at one point or another has had an issue, right? Um, something gets us going. Pam says even simply just being unkind. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Let's go to 30. I really want to get to um, – I really want to get to chapter 31. Um, yeah, Linda, we do, right? We are in this world. We are surrounded by it. Um, so I'm gonna, I think what I'm going to do here is give you a few answers for 30 and then spend a little bit more time on, on 31. So number one, what answer is expected to all five questions in verse four? The answer there, nobody but God has done these things. Um, what message are these questions sending to people who claim to be so wise? They're not as smart as they think they are, right? They're not as smart as they think they are. Question two says, what can we learn from prayer in verses seven to nine? Sorry, Phil, I'm just going to speed through a couple of questions here. Um, number two, be content. Focus on your daily bread. Um don't worry about all the things you want. Just focus on the needs. Um, and Melissa, you're right. That is similar to how God interacts with Job. Um, uh, number three, um, he offers this list here to show some imbalance in society. Um, he just points out that things aren't always going to be fair here. Right, things aren't going to be fair. Fair. Um, let's look at number four. Let's look look at number four here. Verses twenty four through twenty eight are saying, "Don't underestimate small creatures. You can learn from them." What can we learn from each of the creatures mentioned in these verses? So, if you look at the end of chapter thirty. And again, sorry to be a little quick with some of those. I just I really want to make sure we have time for chapter 31. Um, so 28 or 24 to 28 are talking about some small creatures. Um, what can we learn from them? So, so pick a creature that Solomon mentions here, or no, Agar mentions here, and then tell us what the lesson is. So he talks about the lizard, he talks about the ant, he talks about Conies, he talks about locusts. Pick one and uh, tell us tell us the lesson. All right, so the Myers are talking about the ants here. The ants they they plan ahead, right? They store up food while it's available. Um, they take advantage of the opportunity. They're not lazy. They get to work. They don't really have to be told what to do. Um, and they store up the food while it's there. And absolutely something fragile. Um, but, yeah, look at how God wired them, um, Phil says there. Melissa talks about the locusts. They work together. Um, they don't really have a boss, right? They don't have anybody telling them what to do. They've learned how to work together and what an important lesson that is right they they find strength in numbers right is maybe another way to say that good so that's two we got two more okay so they live on so so Joel's talking about the badger there he lives on cliffs um, they tribute to God's creativity um, yeah and I think maybe um, so think about that. If they if they can live in the cliffs, um, I think that says they're pretty careful, right? They're maybe watchful and careful. Um, Jane says anybody can be successful with hard work. Yeah, and let's let's look at the last one. Then we didn't cover is the lizard. Um, so. <laughs> Phil says that there it is. The lizard is icky, <laughs> uh, but can still be in the palace of rulers. Humility is key, right? Um, so it's so humility can end up in high places, I think is the point there. Um, and thank you for that, Melissa. Um, 
All right, good enough there. Um, really want to spend a couple of minutes here before we finish tonight on chapter 31. Um, especially the end of the chapter. Um, but he starts talking about kings. And he talks about two things are the ruin of kings. In verses 3 to 5, what are the two things and why are they so dangerous? And if you're going to ask about King Lemuel, um, I had a note and I, I left it at home. So remind me next time I'll try to try to remember to, to get you that. So he talks about kings. Two things are the ruin of many kings. What are they and why are they dangerous? What are the two things? Women and drink. Marge has got them there. Why are they dangerous? Yeah, Joel, I think that's a good example. Um, okay, so Melissa's talking about alcohol. It makes you forget. Um, yeah, it, it makes you, keeps you from understanding, right? It, it uh, keeps you from being focused on what you should be focused on. People can take advantage of you. Don't have your wits about you. Okay. And then, um, yeah, Joel, the women, it, giving your strength, uh, it, can, it takes energy away from your task. Um, <laughs> Joan says both can cause men not to think straight uh, for sure. And then if you combine them, boy, that, that's, that's even worse, right? Um, so just good. And, 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 by the way, this isn't just kings, right? I think this would apply to, to any of us, right? To all of God's people. Um, be wary. Number two, give examples of those who cannot speak for themselves and need to be defended. If you look at verse 8 and 9, and I got, I'll get to Jane's question in a second here. So Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, he says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Give me some examples of people that need to be defended. Um, yeah, so so Jane's question, um, then verse 6 and 7, drinking is okay for certain persons. Um, so that's it, maybe a good spot just to say here, drinking in and of itself isn't condemned. Abuse of, drinking too much of, is is condemned. And yeah, so if you look at verse six and seven, um, for those who are perishing, um, so so for example, if uh, I had a good note on this at home, I left it at home too. Um, so I don't want to speak out of turn there, but I think the note I had sometimes too that was used almost medic medicinally in those days, um, if it helps them to. Uh, maybe dull the pain a little bit and to get through the day, uh, not condoning overuse, but that it, it may be helpful in, in those circumstances. I'll try to remember, Jane, to, to come back to that one. Um, so everybody's given examples here, people who cannot be defended or, or cannot defend themselves, I'm sorry. Um, and yeah, we've got the the preborn, the old, the unborn, uh, children, the poor and the oppressed, the elderly, those who can't hear or speak or are deaf. Linda, that's a good one too. Um, yeah, a lot of people, right? Um, maybe one more, uh, the people that are being gossiped about. They're not there to defend themselves, right? That'd be another example. Um, so all these people need us to defend them. God says, uh, eighth commandment, that is our task uh, to defend our neighbor. All right. I, I would just like to take our last eight minutes here on the wife of noble character versus 10 through the end. Um, every young man looking for a wife ought to read this section. Um, and it really stands in, in total contrast to the world, right? And what the world says we should look for. Um, Question three says, read the description of a wife of noble character. What about her impresses you the most? 
there's a lot here. And just curious to hear what your takeaway is. What impresses you about this woman, this wife of noble character? What impresses you the most? And Marlene, that's a good addition to the list. Yeah, the victims of violence sure need to be defended as well um, in whatever way that we can defend them. All right, what impresses you about this wife of noble character? Yeah, this is a great section, Linda. Um, really is. It uh, makes a guy thankful, put it that way. It makes a guy thankful for for the, the wife God gives. Phil says, charm is deceptive, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Of all the qualities to look for, right? Fearing the Lord is the biggie here. Pam says she brings good and not harm. Joan and Ron say she seems to do everything. A perfect woman. She says, I fall so short of all this. Um, well, and I think um, he sure is describing. So if you picture the husband in the way that he describes her here, um, he's not saying she doesn't have faults and weaknesses and shortcomings. But boy, he he's just talking about how blessed he is, right, to have such a faithful wife. Um, uh, Marlene says she gets up when it's still night. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it may be a bit of hyperbole here too, right? Um, Melissa says she cares for her family, her community freely with open arms. Yeah, she's very generous, right, and caring for all. Uh, Jane talks about faithful instruction, um, I, I appreciate that one. Um, as a dad who sometimes hasn't always been there at, at night, um, to have someone who gives faithful instruction is, is a huge blessing. Joanne says a woman motivated by the Lord will do the right thing. Um, Phil says the husband is respected because of his wife. Absolutely. Um, she reflects well on him. Um, a lot of guys will say they married up, right? That's what they're saying, isn't it? That, that's that's the point Phil's making there. Uh, Joel says she's resourceful. She diligently goes about her work. Her lamp doesn't go out at night. Uh, yeah, some business savvy here, right? Cares for her family. Um, <laughs> Melissa, that's another good observation, right? It says she mentions she has servants. <laughs> you have zero. Yeah, right. There, there's different uh church situations there for sure. <laughs> um laughs at the future, right? She trusts the Lord. That's a huge one, Jane. The most resourceful woman in the world doesn't know the future. And so a huge quality here is trust. Um Good, good stuff. Let's hit that last question here before time runs out. Number four, your son or grandson is dating one of the most attractive girls at his school, but you're concerned she's not a, because she's not a Christian, seems to have no goals, says she dislikes school. Which verses of this chapter would help you discuss this situation with your son or grandson? Tricky, I know. And I, ideally, you're having these discussions before they start bringing girls home, right? Um, so which of these verses would help you um, in discussing this? <laughs> Linda says, none. It's too late. He's smitten. I, right? And I think there's a point there. Um you got to have these discussions on the front end. Um, yeah. And it's, 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 you know, verse 30 charm is deceptive. Right. And, and it's, yeah, Marge, right. It's um, man. And, and for guys of that age of a young age, whoo, that's a toughie. And um, so you got to have these discussions on the front end. But verse 30, of course, you both are pointing at that one. Uh, 10 or 12, Jane says as well. 
Um, yes, I think those are good. Um, when you talk about qualities to look for, and I'll say when I do this with the catechism kids and I say, what kind of qualities should you look for uh, in a spouse? At that age, seventh and eighth grade, they get it. They put it down. They talk about faith. I, I don't know always in high school and college if that's what we're thinking, right? There's other forces at work there. But, um, hey, Melissa, that's very charitable, right? We want to put the best construction out there. Certainly, we need to know more about her. Um, absolutely, right? And I, that's, that's a, that's well taken. And surely the question with a question like this, we don't always know the, the details in the background, right? So, so that's, that's a, a good encouragement. Um, Marlene says, don't give advice unless he asks. Um, maybe, although I I'm inclined, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm probably going to give it either way. Um, but Certainly, if he asks, it's going to be a better conversation than if if you just put it out there. Um, and I, I like what you say there too. If he's on the right track, if you've done the the work ahead of time, he'll be on that right track, right? Um, and as grandma too, like I, um, I think we've said this before. As we we value our grandparents' opinions, right? And and hopefully he or she will give you an opportunity to, to, to chat about these things. Um, good stuff. I, I mean, these are discussions I, I know you've had, and I hope all of you continue to have with the, the important people in your life. Um, and yeah, and invite them, right? And invite them to spend time with your family too. Um, yeah, good, good stuff. Good discussion. It is 729. Um, so last thing I'm going to ask you, what's your take on Proverbs? Um, I'm sure part of your take is we covered it too quickly and we couldn't get into everything. And that's just the nature of, of the book. Um, I mean, we could have gone for months and months. Um, here's to see what your take on Proverbs is, um, probably something we could hit again. Melissa says she's met people who weren't Christian um, and they came around. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That happens for sure. And I, I don't ever want to, um, I don't ever want to discount that or downplay that. Um, I, that is huge though, right? We want the believer to be the influence, not the other way around. Um, Solomon was wise for sure. Um yeah, Pam, I, I did too. I enjoyed it a lot. It's funny, um, just as we're going, as things were happening during the week, my week, like different verses would just kind of pop and uh, got to go back over it again. Um, so next next book is, so I, I got to thinking there were some good suggestions that came in. Um, and I think the one that I personally um Oh, I like the way you said that, Melissa. It's like a food court of wisdom. Wow, that is a – I'm going to use that illustration at some point. That's I like that. Um, lots here, right? Lots on different subjects. Uh, oh, that's interesting to hear, Marlene, too. Yeah, it um, pretty practical stuff when you dig into it. Um, all right, so next books. One of the suggestions that was given um, were the letters to Timothy. Um, especially as we look for a second pastor. Um, it might be good for us to review what God looks for in a pastor um, and then as people who support their pastors. Um, so I'd like to do first, second Timothy. That's only going to take us probably three weeks. I might even throw Tim Titus in there to get us four weeks. And then we're going to, then we'll go back to Old Testament. So I will get those sheets out Thursday in the email. So we're going to be go first Timothy, second Timothy, and I'm probably going to tack Titus on there too. Um, and those will be three weeks for sure, maybe a fourth week. So um, next week uh, we'll get into Timothy and I'll send you that out. Um, and that should be good. I think um, I did. 
so we called a, a pastor on Sunday. I had a chance to chat with him today at pastor's conference. And uh, so keep that in your prayers. We'll see what happens. Um, it's only been a day, right? So he's got lots to think about and pray about. Keep him in your prayers, his congregation, and us too. All right. Uh, God's blessings to all of you. This is good. So much enjoying this. Um, we will see you again next week. And uh, God's blessings. <laughs> yeah, that, you're right, Joel. We're going to hit that one too. Um, that's a funny way to say that. Melissa, Pam, you're welcome. Uh, God's blessings, everybody. Have a good night. I'll, I'll give you just a minute here to sign off. And uh, yeah, you like that? Um, so this is a new pilgrim wear that came out today. If you ordered some, it should be here. Um, and if you didn't order, there will be another opportunity, I think, yet this year to get some more pilgrim gear. All right. God bless everybody. Have a good night. We will see you next when no Tuesday, next Tuesday, 630. All right. Thank you. Brian, good evening and good night. <laughs> Glad you're with us tonight. <laughs>